I thought she was going to pray. She did a little bit, didn't she? Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, for everything that you've done. God, I'm so thankful for all these people, Lord, that have come here this morning, God, to, to see you and to hear from you. Lord, we're just believing as Pastor McFadden, as he stands in the pulpit this morning, God, that a great anointing is going to come upon him. Father, we send the angels to encamp around him and around the, the church he's in and around his, his dad and his mother and the congregation. Lord, we pray for Pastor Brenda and their children, God, while Pastor James is away. And Lord, I thank you that the 91st Psalms, we declare and decree it over this church and over this family, God. Now, Lord, I pray today that you anoint me to say what you want to say. Lord, I'm so thankful, Lord, that we're in the season that we're celebrating the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord, the, the story of Easter never gets old. Father, I'm so thankful, Lord, that, you, that Jesus came through a virgin birth. But, Lord, I'm thankful, God, even more, Lord, God, that he is risen and he's alive. Lord, we're thankful, Lord, as we enter to this, this week of passion, to this holy week, this holy time. And, Lord, I know that every day that a Christian walks and serves you, that it's a holy day. But, Lord, this is the time that all the earth, every nation of the earth, where they recognize whether Jesus is Lord or not. God, that this is a time and a season that our mind goes to Calvary especially. This is a time and a season, Lord, that, Lord, I pray every person in this room would read the Gospels. And they would read the story of the birth. And they would read the story of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord, that this week would be a time especially that we set ourselves aside to examine our hearts and examine what you've done, Lord. Lord, I pray, God. Lord, I thank you this morning that as I think Pastor Josh was talking about miracles. And God, I was sitting there thinking, yes, the greatest miracle that ever was, was Jesus dying on the cross and raising again on the third day. And Lord, no matter what happens in this service, we do have a miracle. And his name is Jesus. He's the Messiah. Lord, it don't matter what our circumstances are. It really don't matter what's going on in our life. It just matters that you're Lord over us. And God, I pray today that people that are discouraged in this room, Lord, it doesn't matter. Lord, we may look at things and think if this changed, I'd feel better. If I got this job or if I had this much money or if my children was doing this and if this was doing that. But Lord, the main thing is that Jesus is Lord over our lives. God, we all know that we're going to have trials and we're going to have temptations. Lord, we're going to have things we're going to walk through. But as long as we've got Jesus in our heart, we're going to make it. As long as Jesus is on our side, we've got more than enough. And Lord, I pray that if anybody here this morning don't know him, God, that they'll receive him into their heart. Lord, we're, we've come together to worship. We've come together to hear from you. But, Lord, the main thing is that nobody leaves here without him inside of them. He, he wants to be a personal savior to your life. But, Lord, nobody can do that, Lord, and we know except the individual. It's an individual experience. It's not my experience or Angie's spirit experience or Sister Brenda's, but it's a personal experience with you, God. 
God. And Lord, I pray that our minds would be settled in these next few moments. Our minds would be settled that we could hear what the Word's saying. Our minds would be settled, Lord, upon you, God. And Father, we just thank you that this service is going the way you want it to go. And we give you the glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. You can be seated. Hallelujah. And yes, we all know that this is the, the, the week that this is Palm Sunday. And this is the time that, that this is the Sunday before Jesus. And I know this it, it didn't exactly happen on April 17th. It was in the springtime. But it, sometimes it, it's not the exact date. Just like Christmas is not the exact date. But, you know... I believe, I, I love Christmas, and I love it because it's the time we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. But you know, if he hadn't died, and he hadn't risen from the dead, it wouldn't have been a complete thing. And you know, this is the time of the year, and I realize, and I, I've heard people say it times a long time ago, you don't hear it as much now, well, they just come to church on Easter and Christmas, well, praise God. I'd rather them come on Easter and Christmas than not come at all. And you never know when they're here why, what God's going to do in their heart. It really doesn't matter what God has to use to get people to come to the house of God. It's just getting them there and God to do the work. You know, we've all been lost at one time or another in our lives. And we all have not done everything that's right. I sure haven't. But whenever it comes to people's souls, it don't matter why they get there as long as you get them there. If it, whatever it takes to get them to the house of God. So I'd like to encourage you this week to let it be a week that you're going to set aside to seek God and to fast some and to set some time to get in his word. And if you don't know the story yourself out of the Bible, which it's a true story, if you've never sat down and really read through the gospels, you need to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you need to read and search out those parts and go through there and read about the birth of Jesus Christ and go to the end of each chapter and start reading about his resurrection. Read about what happened to him on Calvary. We need to keep this fresh in our mind. You know, I, I know that there's people who can get up and quote scriptures and I've seen them do it and it's wonderful. And I just glorify God that they can do that. But the main thing is you know who you are in Christ Jesus. If you'll get those things in your heart, who he is on the inside of you, you'll have enough to make it in life. Sometimes we focus on knowing so much that we forget about just knowing him. The gospel's so simple that children can learn it. Children can tell the, the stories of Jesus. But sometimes we as adults, we find ourselves so busy and we find ourselves so much seeking out what we need. And that's good because God wants to meet our needs. But if you don't know why you're serving him and what he's done for you, you miss the most important part of being a Christian. We accept Jesus in our heart, but we sometimes get so busy in what's going wrong in our life, and I don't feel good, and I don't like feeling like this, and I'm sick, and I need this, and I need that. And all that's good. He's a God that loves you, and he wants to supply your needs. But we don't take the time we need to take to just know who he is. And no matter how long I've been saved or wherever God's taken us to, I've never got tired of knowing about Jesus. 
And there's things in the Bible that I've studied and things that, that I desire to know. And I, I, I love his word, but I have never gotten tired of hearing the story about how he rose from the dead. So if you've got your Bibles, I just want you to turn over just a few minutes. And you think, well, you know, I, I kind of went back and forth on this. And, but this is what God put in my heart. And I believe it's appropriate to read about Palm Sunday to read about what happened the Sunday before Jesus, that he died and he rose from the dead. It's all important. And, you know, maybe you think, well, I, I'm just bored with all this, and I don't want to hear this again. But if it wasn't a purposeful thing, God wouldn't have had it written in his word. And sometimes we find ourselves wanting God to meet us, and we don't want to meet him. Is that the truth? But I appreciate the Lord for the privilege to be here this morning. And Pastor Brenda, I was surprised to see her. I knew Pastor James was going to be gone. And I, I appreciate them both. And I, I miss him this morning, but I'm glad Sister Brenda's here. I, I thank the Lord for this family and for you all in this church. And it's got a special place in my heart. And I'd like to be here more than I've been getting here, but it's just not worked out. But I'm for Pastor James, and I'm for Pastor Brenda. I'm for the vision that they've got. I'm for Trinity Life Center. I'm believing God right along with you all that God's going to bring great revival and do great things in your church. To me, you've got one of the greatest pastors and wives in the whole world, and they love you all. And this is one of the greatest churches that I ever have got to minister in. You know, I was sitting there looking, and I, I was looking at John David and John William, and I, I looked at, uh, at David on the, the guitar, and I looked at Dustin up here playing the, the drum, uh, the bongo things, and I thought, you know, I watched a lot of them grow up. I remember whenever some of them was babies, and I thought, how wonderful it is to see them serving God. How wonderful it is to see them in the house of God. That's the greatest blessing that there is. You know, and young people have so much more to fight sometimes than we do. But, you know, it, it was just encouraging. I, and I looked at John David. I seen him there, and I was listening to him play, but I kind of forgot. And I looked at the piano, and I thought, how's that piano playing by itself? And then I forgot about him standing there. <laughs> and I looked, and there he was. But don't you think they did a great job? But if you got your Bibles, we're going to turn over to Matthew in the 21st chapter. And we're going to read the first, start reading the first verse. And it said, And when they drew nigh to Jerusalem, and they came to Bethlehem and the Mount of Olives, and then they sent Jesus, his two disciples, saying unto them, Go to the village over against you straightway, and you shall find an ass tied and a coat with her, and loose them, loose them and bring them to me. And if any man shall say unto you, that the Lord hath needed them, and straightway he will send them, and he will give them unto you. You know, as this starts out, Jesus was telling them what to do, and he sent them to get this donkey. And in, in the book of Zechariah, it talked about how, gee, how he would come riding on a colt and on a, and on an ass, which is a donkey. And that was just prophetic of what Jesus was going to do. And I thought this, as I was reading all this, and I thought about us as human beings, and I thought how that Jesus come in such humility and how that from the beginning of time it was ordained for him to come and to be born like he was in a stable in a manger and how before his, his, the greatest season of his life and one of the hardest times that he walked through that he chose to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey into Bethlehem. And then I thought about us sometimes about how that we can be so prideful 
and how that we want God to use us and how that we want positions. And then I, you know, you have to think and you just think this morning, just think about the king of glory riding on a donkey. Think about how, what a humility and what a humbling experience that was. He could have had angels to have brought him in. He could have called and he could have had the disciples to have carried him in. There's, there's, he could have just translated and got himself there. But he, choose, he chose, and the Bible, the prophetic way that God wanted it was him to come was in humility. God can never use you if you've got a prideful spirit. You can never get anywhere with God if you're full of pride. And pride can be a funny thing. Pride can be you're proud, you're humble. Pride can be thinking you're better than somebody else. Pride can be you're not going to hurt me. I've got this wall up, and no matter what you say, I'm not going to let you in. Pride can be you think you're too good maybe to stay in the nursery or that's not a good enough position for you. Pride can be, I'm not moving those chairs after church. Let somebody else do it. That's not my job. It's true. (laughs) Pride can be, if I know how to sing, and if they don't let me on the praise team, I'm never going to sing again, because I can sing just as good as they can. And who do they think they are? Pride can be not wanting to take the vacuum cleaner and clean up the church or seeing paper being out the, laying out in the parking lot and griping because of the way it looks but never coming on a work day and wanting to give a helping hand. They're getting paid to do that. Why should I have to do that? Because God has called us all to serve. Jesus was a servant. And you know, who that's greatest among you, let him serve. And, you know, and, and you may feel like you're the least of all least, but I want to ask you this morning, would you let Jesus ride on you? Would you humble yourself down to allow him to be that vessel that you would be silent in? That donkey didn't have a voice. It didn't say, look at me, the king is riding on me. That donkey didn't say, I am the most anointed animal there is, and God picked me out uh, from among everybody else because I had the prettiest coat and my eyes looked the best, and I was going to stay quiet while he was on my back. Look at me. Pride will try to bring attention to itself. Pride will always, always, always comes before destruction. A haughty spirit always comes before a fall. You might be mean to people and you might talk about them and you might say things behind their back, but those that are, have a high and lofty look, the Bible says they'll be brought low. Satan's biggest mistake was he got full of pride. Yes, he was rebellion, but he thought he knew more than God. Whenever you're choosing not to serve God and you've got an unteachable spirit, what's an unteachable spirit? You say, how'd you get this out of a donkey? Well, this is how, because a donkey is always considered a humble, and sometimes I hate to say this, a worthless animal. It's true. People laugh at donkeys sometimes because they're little. They're not powerful. People look at them sometimes and make jokes about them because they're not in the, 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 the races Whenever God's going to use you, it's not about you being seen. It's about Jesus that's riding in you being seen. And people will come against you. And the Bible says a man's foes will be those of his own household. People that's in your family will hurt you worse most of the time than people in the church. 
Lots of times people in families will stir up strife and division. And they'll try to pull husbands and wives apart. Or they'll try to come into a family and jealousy will come in among the children. And they'll be arguing and fighting and bickering. You know, somebody, as, as Brother Denny and I get older, you think about heaven more. You know, and we, we're both from in the country. And in the country, now we're talking country. You think Shepherdsville's country. It is not compared to where we're from. Forget it. This is metropolis. Right, Angie? <laughs> but, you know, and, and trust me, people down there, I fight a little bit of this too. But it's different in the city. And because I guess the laws and there are more people, it's sad to see families fight over what their mom and dad has left. It's sad to see children that will come for the reading of the will that wouldn't even help their moms and dads whenever they needed their help. It's sad whenever people think about what it's in for me. What can they do for me? And sad to say that's the way a lot of us function, and I've even done that before myself. Not with the, the financial thing, because whenever my mom and dad died, it was all gone. There was nothing to fight over, and I'm, in a way, I'm thankful. My mother started getting sick. We didn't sit around and try to figure out how we could get what little bit she had. I don't even know why I'm talking about this. We wanted her well so bad that we didn't care what happened. We let her stay where she was at because we wanted our mother. I didn't want a piano that was sitting in a house. I didn't want her china, even though I let it stay there to the point it was getting destroyed. And I finally got, went in and got a few pieces of it that was left. What has happened to us in the day and time we live in? God does want to bless you. And he has blessed mine and Denny's lives, and he's blessed my children. But I want to tell you something. Things come and things go, but Jesus never changes. Your things is not going to give you peace in the middle of the night. Your things is not going to help you whenever they've come in, they've told you that somebody in your family has an uncurable disease. And you just watch and you wait helplessly knowing that there's nothing you can do about it. But there's a lot we can trust in God. We need to get back to humility, folks. Humility will forgive people that have hurt you and you was the innocent one that got hurt. Humility will cause you not to talk whenever you want to talk and tell people off. And this donkey didn't do any talk, and all he was made for was to be rode upon. Whenever Jesus calls you, and you know what people look at people that's called to preach, and they think sometimes that it's, it's such a great thing because they're standing up there, and they're cleaned up, and they've brushed their teeth, and their hair's been combed, and their clothes might look okay. And they look at them, and they think, well, they must have a great life. You have no idea the price. You, you just really don't know do this, Sister Brenda. You don't realize how much you really don't belong to yourself, nor your time is not your own. And your family sometimes will get mad at you because you can't be with them. But who, who among you is my brother and sisters? What Jesus said, you're my family, you're my mother, you're my brother. 
Family goes beyond the blood that flows inside our veins. I've been a lot closer to church people in the past 30-some years than I was my own family. Because your family sometimes can be the ones that give you the hardest time. But then you've got church people that get in church and they want to fight with each other. But lots of times that's a carryover because they fought with their own family. Really, it's true. We can, get, we can be trained to argue, trained to tell people off. Some people pride in telling people off. Now, why am I talking about all this? They, just, they, can, they can tell you off and they're proud because they know how to belittle you. That's not something to be proud of. But for God to use you, you've got to allow that to be taken out of you. Sometimes I have to totally remove myself from people. It's not that I want to, but God calls us to peace. And if you've got somebody in your life or somebody that every time you get around them or somebody that's going to cause strife and division and they're going to keep everybody tore up in the church or tore up in your family, is this all right? Sometimes you have to remove yourself from them. It's not that you don't love them. It's not that you don't want the best for them. It's not that you're sitting back praying God kill them, <laughs> even though there's a few you'd like, you know, like from to be saved and go on. Well, it's true. But if you can, the Bible says it, as much as it will lies within you to dwell with all men peaceably. So apparently there's going to be some that you can't dwell peaceably with. So the best thing to do is in a graceful way, just withdraw yourself and allow God to deal with them. And, and that don't mean you get out and talk about them, but that means you have to separate yourself sometimes. Whenever Jesus sent them to get this animal for him to fight on, to ride on, there was no fight. It was predestined. It was preordained. It had been pre-prophesied in the book of Zechariah that this was going to take place. Whenever God's got a plan for your life, it'll flow like a river. That don't mean there won't be a fight. That won't mean that there won't be some misunderstandings on people around you. But what God's got for you to do will flow like a river. I was talking to somebody the other day because me and Denny's praying about an opportunity that's opened up to us, and we don't know what we think about it. But you know something? Being in the will of God is the most important thing in my life. And, you know, uh, God has been gracious to me because I did not deserve to be able to preach the gospel except through the blood of Jesus. He's been good to me because if it hadn't been for him, I wouldn't have lived to be the age I am right now. It's been a tough walk. You know, I was telling somebody the other day, they was talking about a situation where somebody had died a violent death and there was other people involved. And I said, you know, you reap what you sow. You always reap more than you sow. God, whenever you get saved, your sins is under the blood of Jesus. They're as far as the east is from the west. Whenever he looks at you, he sees no sin in your life. But there's a reaping at times will take place because of the way that you've lived your life. I have experienced it as anybody else. So don't get mad if you come to Jesus and all these things that you created around you are not over in a puff and that your life is a little bit different from somebody else that hadn't lived like the devil for 20 and 30 years. This is true. It's the truth. You've got to understand 
the reason that he wants you to get saved at a young age, number one, is because he loves you. But the older you wait and the longer you wait, the more hardened your heart gets toward the Lord. It's true. As you get older, your heart gets sheared. Your conscience gets sheared in your heart from hearing the gospel will become stiff and hardened toward God. And he wants you to remember the creator like the Bible says in the day of your youth while you're young. So I just want to encourage you to let God start using you. Think of something you can do through this Easter season that Jesus can use you to do. There is people in this area that need to be in this church. There is people in this area that needs to come right here to this body of believers. And I know that the Holy Ghost adds to the church daily, but are you all really excited? Are you really laboring to try to get men and women to come to this church? Are you trying the best you know how to get your family to come to the house of God? God's wanting to use you to get people in here. He's wanting to use you. He's wanting to develop ministry inside of you. But we have to allow it to do it. In verse 3, it said, If any man say unto you, you say, The Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send, he will send them. If, God, if anybody says to you, Why are you doing this? Because God called me to do it. Why are you over at that church? Because God called me to that church. Why are you giving your tithes? And why are you giving in the offering? Because God has told me to do that. That's all the explanation you need to give people. Sometimes your words need to be few because in a multitude of words, sometimes there can be trouble. I can't get off this trouble thing. And he said, and this was done and it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, tell you the daughters of Sion, behold, the king cometh unto thee meek and sitting upon an ass and a coat of the fowl of the ass and his disciples went and did as, as Jesus commanded them. And they brought forth the ass and the coat, and they put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. In other words, they may not have money, they didn't know what else to do, but they took garments and they put it over top of these animal, of this animal that Jesus began to ride on. As we begin to allow him to take off of us what he didn't put on us, as we begin, as we have freely received and we, we begin to freely give, then Jesus can give back to us. In those days and times, they didn't have a lot of clothes, a lot of them like some of us do. <laughs> Their clothes was an important thing to them. Now, I know sometimes our clothes is important to us, and most of us has got more than we need, and a lot of us have fat clothes and skinny clothes, and the, the skinny clothes may never see our bodies again. And we need to just give them up and let them go because if by the grace of God we get back down that way, the Lord can give us more. But sometimes we want to hold on to our stuff. And I am practicing what I'm preaching because we're in the process, hopefully, of moving. And we, I'm just getting rid of, I'm not holding a bunch of stuff with me and holding on to a bunch of crazy stuff that maybe somebody else can use. You know, and you may as well give up them jars that's been in your garage for 20 years because you ain't never going to use them. Throw them away. Sometimes we just need to do a house cleaning. And I believe whenever we begin to do that, I, I know it sounds funny, and I've told my daughter this before, and she don't care she's here. Years ago, Eva had a real problem. Is this all right, Eva? She was nasty in her house. Nasty as a hog. Amen, Eva? 
I mean, we're not talking just a few piled up clothes. We're talking, it could have been on television. She could have had one of these interventions by these people. It's true. Now, you ain't going to find this in the Bible, but we've laughed about it. Somehow, I believe that uh, uh, filth, and I don't mean just, you know, where you're busy and your house is messed up. I believe sometimes where there's filth, there's demonic activity. If you don't believe that's true, look in India. It's one of the nastiest nations on the face of the earth. And it's one of the most demonic nations on the face of the earth. But anyway, we, we, I started praying and believing God that he was going to deliver Eva from being nasty, and he did. And she's a great housekeeper now. <laughs> Ain't you glad, Eva? <laughs> I don't know if I've ever told that. But there it is. You know, I believe that we need to start right in our houses. And she was going through a hard time in her life. She really was. And a, a, some, uh, something really bad had happened to her. I want to say that. And lots of times whenever you get depression, that can happen to you. It really can. So if you're battling with that, God can help you. I know we kind of, I was laughing about it because she's here. But it's not funny whenever you, you've seen these uh, things on television and these people have so much clutter around them that they can't get out of it. That, that's a different story and they need help. But how in the world do they have to do with Jesus riding on a donkey? I don't know. Because <laughs> of the clothes, I guess. And I want to say this too. A lot of people want God to send them around the world. They want him to go in the next room to help their family member. Lord, send me, I'll go. And then they got somebody in the, in the next room or downstairs or upstairs in, in worse shape than some of the people you go to and you don't want to have to deal with them. It starts under your own roof, and it starts inside of you. And if you can't help there, forget the rest of it. And I understand that there's some family members that we'd all like to ship out to another country, take them and put them on UPS and let a plane drop them somewhere on an island where nobody knew about. I've got a few, I understand. But that's not Christ-like, and we're not going to get to do that. So we have to die to our flesh somehow and try to help these people. And God has mercy upon us. That's some more of that humility. Maybe I'm the only one, but I'm just being honest. And God puts these special people, bless their holy hearts, in our families to work something on the inside of us. And if you can make it through without going to prison over hurting one of them, then you'll know that God has really worked inside of you. Amen? Does anybody have any mean people in their families or people that you just like to get a taxi or a bus and just give them a ticket to wherever they wanted to go for a long time? Well, it's true. And it's just like, you know, you can go through divorce and you might get rid of that spouse, but if you've got children, you're never going to get rid of them. But if you've got a family member, it's hard to divorce them, ain't it? You know, you're more or less, if they're your children, it's till death do you part most of the time. Brothers and sisters, I better get off this hat now. But I'm sure everybody in here that I'm the only one that's ever had to deal with any of this stuff. <laughs> Pastor McFadden does this to me every time. He puts me up here. I blame it on him. And a very great, and I haven't talked to him, by the way, so I don't want you to think that. We hadn't even had a conversation in a long time. We just hadn't, just hadn't had it, hadn't seen it. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. They were making a way for the king. They were making a way for him to come. But you got to remember this same bunch that was taking off their coats and taking off their robes that was there 
watching him make his grand entrance was there about seven days later hollering crucify him. You have to be careful. You have to be careful about who you let inside your inner circle. There's some people, and we're supposed to love everybody, and I hope that I'm getting this out right. There's some people, you don't tell them everything about your life and about your family. There's some people, you don't get them inside your house and take them through your house and tell them everything about yourself. Is that right? Because they can destroy you. And they can destroy your family and they can lie and destroy the ministry or put a dent in what God's trying to do in your life. Lots of times people, oh, you're so great. Oh, you're so wonderful. Now, I don't mean y'all me. We all know each other. So don't take it wrong. But sometimes people that, that treat you and act like you're so great, some ones that's going to stab you in the back to speak. He was their king on the Sunday before he rose from the dead. But it, what? It was about five days before they took him to Calvary. Things can change really fast. But Jesus knew. He was a son of God. He knew what was taking place in his life. He knew what had to be done. Sometimes he's led like a lamb before the slaughter is what the Bible says. You know, Pastor Brenda, you got discernment. And even though sometimes you've been in situations, and I know that you've known, people could be smiling at you on the outside, but on the inside, God was showing you their heart. And it can happen that way. People can smile and they can tell you they love you. And then at the same time, and it don't happen all the time, there can be a Judas spirit on them. And the enemy's got them set up to bring destruction in your life. But if you'll be wise and you'll listen to God and you'll let the Lord lead you, God can protect you from those times that those fiery darts are going to come. But they are going to come. You know, I pray that, 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 there's, that nobody in this church or you don't know anybody that has been talking that would tell lies and try to bring division anyway in this body. And, you know, people that are tailbearers and troublemakers, we're supposed to mark them, and we're supposed to leave them alone. And I don't know why I'm on that, but there it is. But anyway, it says, And the multitudes went before and followed him, crying, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In, in Psalms, in the 118th chapter, in the 25th verse, Psalms 118.25, they was crying out, it says, Save now, I beseech you, O Lord, O Lord, I beseech thee. Save now, send prosperity now. And that's basically whenever they was crying that out, it was the same praise that they were praising there in the book of Psalms. All the things of Jesus, everything is prophetic throughout the Bible. He really did die, and he really did raise again on the third day. God had a plan whenever Adam and Eve fell in the garden and he told uh, Eve that her seed was going to bruise the enemy's head and he was going to bruise her heel or his heel. It was in, it's in the Bible. And all these things, it's happened. And I know this ain't a big whooping, jumping, running through the aisle message, but we're remembering Calvary today. 
we're remembering that this is a week that we're not just going to think about. A lot of people probably don't even do it anymore. Maybe buying a new outfit. I know we dress our children up. If mine was little, I, I would dress them up. If Eva was still little, she'd have enough ruffles on her. They wouldn't be able to see her eyes. You know, that's just the way I was. My boys had a big tie on a bow tie that had something. There's, I'm not saying anything there's wrong, is wrong with that. And I know that we begin to plan and different things, which I'm not going into because I don't want to offend anybody. But there's nothing wrong with having a good family time. And it's a time just like with Christmas, we remember our families and sometimes we get together with them. But we need to be planning this week too about how and what we can give next Easter Sunday in, in the name of Jesus. I don't know what Pastor McFadden, what he's got planned, how he's going to do his Sunday morning service. But whenever it comes time, bring somebody to church with you. Bring a soul in here that don't know Jesus. Bring your best offering to soul on the day that Jesus was risen from the dead. I don't get nothing out of this. I have no reason to say this. But begin to plan and begin to get in the Bible this week and once again go through how and why. How did you get where you are? What did Jesus do? What was it really like? We'll never know what it was like on Calvary. It was more hideous and more awful as any movie we've ever seen, anything we've ever read. I believe it's even worse than that. And he did that for us. And I believe the reason we need to remember that is we need to realize just how much he really did love us. His death was not a cheap thing. His blood is not a cheap thing. It's precious blood. And it was shed for you and I. And all this was the, the event that happened this, that week, the event of him coming like he did, was all part of the prophetic of the coming of the death and burial of resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it all fit into his plan of what he was getting ready to do, the triumphal entry as he came in. And just look how he went out a few days later. <laughs> it's something to think about, isn't it? And it said, and when he was come, I'm sorry, it said in verse 19, 9, it says, and the multitude that went before him and followed cried, Hosanna. They were saying, Hosanna. Save us is what that means. Praise you. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the greatest. They had those palm leaves, and they were just waving them. And the crowd was just cheering him. And it was such a joyous celebration. And they was crowning him as king. And he was coming in in such a humble way. But at the same time, they was looking at him as, as a deliverer. But think of what a devastation it was. Just a few days later, when he was in Gethsemane with his disciples, when every one of them turned their backs on him, Whenever he prayed until his blood became great drops of, uh, of his sweat became great, great drops of blood. And he was there and they went to sleep. You are going to be alone in your Christian walk before God does something great in your life. Lots of times there's going to come a death to the dream. I have had stuff happen to me in my own personal life that I thought that I could not take anymore. I thought I couldn't stand anymore physically, emotionally. But God was taking me into that. Somehow suffering and glory goes together. And I know this is not a popular message. But if you are going through something, the Bible says, if any of you is afflicted, let him pray. 
If there's something that's pressing on you, look at that thing as a tool that Jesus wants you to press into him. You can't have a relationship with God and have 15 or 20 people on a phone with you all the time. You can't get into his word and really know who he is. If people's pulling on you, come over here, I need you over there. Come and do this, let's do that. You can get so busy that you get so busy doing good things that you're not doing the most needful thing. And that's being in the presence of the Lord. Let's examine ourselves. Jesus is getting ready to come back. He's going to come back this time, but he's not going to be lowly riding up on a donkey. He's going to come back in power and might. He's going to come back as King of kings and Lord of lords. He's going to come back and have his hair, it talks about in Revelations, is going to be white as wool, and his eyes is going to look like a flame of fire. And he's going to be mighty, and he's going to be powerful. And he's our Savior that has risen and sits on the right hand of the Father, and he lives forevermore. But he went through all these things that he would know and he feels the feeling of your infirmity. He knows where you're hurting at today. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows why you're acting like you're acting. But if you don't allow him to break you and break you and break you, you can never be used of God. He'll break you and he'll put you on that potter's wheel and he'll spin you around and he'll mold you and make you. Then you come down and he'll allow you to go back up again. Then he'll bring you back down again and there's different brokenness that will come in your Christian life as he's preparing to use you. You know, and I'd like to stand up here and, no, no, really, I wouldn't. I started saying, say that it's all been good, but if I did, there'd be something wrong with me. But for myself, and maybe I'm not like everybody else, I don't know. Sometimes I get so tarred, and I know it's edifying, and we're supposed to edify people, and I'm wanting to say this in an edifying way. But sometimes people make their life sound so great, you look at them and you think, what's wrong with me? Did I never, you know, where did I miss it? Because you've went through things that you don't understand, and you look at them, and they look like they've got the perfect life. And you think, well, maybe I'm not even a Christian or I've got sin in my life or there's a curse on me somewhere or this wouldn't be happening to me. And sometimes some of those things are true. But Jesus was, that had no guile in his mouth. He had no sin. He was pure and he was holy. He never sinned. But he learned obedience through the things he suffered. He went through the way of the cross. He gave himself up willfully for you and I that we could have life. And you say, well, he was beaten, and he was. His stripes was taken on his back for our healing. His beard was plucked out, and they did put a crown of thorns down on his head. And he said it was beaten. His countenance was so marred above any man. In other words, he was beaten worse than anybody that could ever been beaten. And he took the chastisement of our peace. He did all those things. But those that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. There's things that you're going to go through as a Christian because you're running against the wind. You're going upstream. You're walking a different drumbeat than the world. God will always bring you through. He's always brought me through. But I tell you what, 
I've spent many a night alone in solitude by myself on my face before God or up in the nighttime praying, asking God to help me. And there's some of you in the room, you this room, you've done the same thing, thinking, Lord, I can't take no more of the pressure. Loneliness, thinking people that would be there to help you, there was nobody there. I know this is tough, but we have missed the mark whenever it comes to being a servant of Jesus Christ and living that life of humility. It's not a popularity contest. It's not how many people I can make like me or what a big following of people I've got. It's who I'm following. And if I'm not doing something that rubbed people the wrong way sometime every once in a while, then there's something wrong with my experience. Woe unto you when people say all oh, matters of, of uh, good, and where they say good of you and never say anything bad about you. If they all the time think you're the best thing that ever was, there's a problem somewhere. But whenever we're Christians, they're going to speak evil of you. They're going to say things against you. They talked about Jesus. They called him a wine-bibber. They was mad because he run with, with the sinners. And what it was, he was trying to win them to him. He was showing them the love of who he was. But we want to get it in our little group, and we don't want to get outside of it. And we don't want to touch the unlovely or the unclean or people that's of a different color or people of a different culture. And we want to cut ourselves off and put ourselves in a little little box somewhere and make our life be tidy and make everything just be so-so. But it's not that way whenever you've had a death experience and Jesus has taken you somewhere and you've humbled yourself in his sight and all you are is a donkey that he needs to ride on to take him where he's wanting to go. I get tired of it sometimes how people have this arrogant attitude and I believe in giving honor. I honor Pastor Brenda and Pastor James. I honor my pastors. I believe you should, but I don't believe that any of them would want me treating them like they was some kind of a movie star or looking at them in a way that, that I would exalt them above who Jesus is. I expect people, and I appreciate people's kindness. I don't want to come to preach and somebody just knock me down the floor and say, if you need some water, I hope you find it somewhere. I mean, there's things, there's protocol, there's things we need to do. But if I come in here or go somewhere and I'm so spiritual that I can't take time to tell you hello, or I can't hug you if, I, if it works out for us to do that, or I think I'm so much better that you owe me something, there's something wrong. But sad to say, there's people in ministry like that, aren't they? Oh, I've arrived. Here I am. Woohoo! Look at me. <laughs> I ain't looking at them. I'm looking for somebody that's going to be a servant, somebody that's going to stick in a church for 20 years. It probably should, could have been a lot happier at times if they had went somewhere else. But they knew God had called them. They knew that the Lord put them where they're at. Look to people that's got some stability. Don't follow after the shooting stars. Find you a church that's been tested and tried. Somebody that's got a ministry that stood the, through the fire and through the rain and through the flood. Those are the kind of people you want to honor. The Bible says, know those that might labor among you. You don't know some of these people that you see. 
in different areas. And I'm not going to say. You don't know them. Just because they look good and smell good don't mean they are good. Is that right? <laughs> Y'all's awful quiet on me. <laughs> I guess so. And when he was come to Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, the multitude said, I like that clock. This is Jesus, the prophet, the Nazarene, the Nazarite of Galilee, the multitude, the same bunch that hollered, crucify him, crucify him. Give us Barabbas, crucify him. Let me tell you, life can change in five days. If your foundation is not built on Jesus Christ and you don't know who your Redeemer is, whenever your time of testing comes, you will not be able to stand. If the only reason you're doing what you're, what you're called to do, you're called to do it, but the only reason you're doing it is because you're getting some kind of recognition, you will never be able to go where God's wanting to take you. Because there's going to be correction. And God's going to allow things to happen to you that they're not going to be singing, How great thou art, how great thou art not, is what they're going to be saying. Because he said, there's no flesh going to glory in my sight. You say, well, you've, you've said some awful hard stuff this morning. Our flesh needs to come under submission to the Holy Ghost, mine included, me number one. And I have to work at this every day of my life. I have a choice to be mean every day, just like you do. I have a choice to talk ugly, to let my mouth run off. I have a choice on whether I'm going to love or not show love. We've all got that same choice. But if we don't have a prayer life and we don't have a word life, and we don't know who Jesus is, and we've not allowed him to sit upon the throne of our heart, then we're not going to be able to do this. On Palm Sunday, it was, he was accompanied by his disciples. Jesus rode in Jerusalem on a cloak while crowds covered the streets ahead of him with their cloaks and palm branches. On Monday, Jesus chased the money changers out of the temple. Tuesday and Wednesdays, he preached and taught in Jerusalem. On Thursday, after washing the disciples' feet, Jesus celebrated Passover, instituting the communion. He went to Gethsemane to pray. And he was arrested by the temple guard in a legal night session of the Jewish court, the Sanhedrin, the religious people. You're always going to have religious people in church. And they're sneaky. They'll do things behind your back. On Good Friday, Jesus was taken to the Roman courts before Pontius Pilate. And Herod, and he sent him back to the Jewish court. And the Romans took him to Golgotha, the place of the skull. And there he was crucified. On Saturday, Jesus went into the tomb while his disciples observed the Sabbath. And on Sunday, the angel met Mary Magdalene and the other Mary and the mother of James and John to the tomb to tell them that Jesus had risen from the dead. It is something to think about. It's a sobering thought. We've got earthquakes happening all over the world. Storms come now, but they're just not thunderstorms. They kill people got flooding going on in places it's never flooded 
snowstorms coming at strange times. Japan still, I don't know if they'll ever totally recover from what happened in their land. Haiti is still suffering from the earthquake that happened in their nation. America is going to have to stand before God. America is not exempt from the things that's coming on our land. We're not exempt. And if we ever cried, God have mercy on us, son of David, we need to cry it now. Because I do believe, if we'll pray, that it will hold back a portion of what's to come. But I believe there's some things that's going to come because it's in the book. And it's prophesied. But what's happening, Jesus is getting ready to come back. We need to sober up, church. We need to get a hold of ourselves. There's some of you in this room you used to wouldn't leave your house without praying. There's some of you here and you used to pray and read your Bible hours on end. I know there is. There's some of you you wouldn't miss a Sunday morning service or Wednesday night service. And you was at prayer meeting or whatever they had, you was there. But you've let up. You've just let little things, life, maybe not even bad things, family things sometimes. God help us. I know we need to have a balanced life. And maybe some of the people that's gone on before us, maybe sometimes they did stay in church too much. I don't know, did they? But they taught their children. Mine went to church. Never they were so little, they had to sleep. They slept in church. I didn't care. I took them whenever they were sick. I took them whenever they were well. I took them whenever we had a car. I took them whenever I had to get a ride to get there. My children will never be able to stand before God or me and tell them that I not, did not teach them about Jesus Christ. They can't ever say that their mother wasn't faithful to the house of God. That I know. I may have not done everything right, but I taught them about Jesus. Listen, we need to get back. We need to have a revival. Everybody stand to your feet. Father, I'm so thankful this morning for the blood, for the power. Oh, Jesus, Lord, turn your spotlight on the inside of us, God. God, I pray the Holy Ghost convict, Lord, from the pulpit to the back door. God, that you convict us. Lord, show us, God, where we've got sin in our life. Lord, I sense that urgency inside of my spirit. Oh, Jesus, you're preaching. You're telling us. You're showing us through the signs of the time. You're preaching now, God. You're telling this world I'm getting ready to come back. Lord, and I thank you. You're going to create a new heaven and a new earth. But, Lord, I thank you. It's time, God, just like it was in the days of Noah. So shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Lord, the ark is being built. The hammer is knocking. It's knocking. Jesus is coming. The preachers is preaching. He's coming back. Jesus is coming back. Lord, they're standing in pulpits all around this world. There's godly men and women preaching the uncompromising gospel. And Lord, there's people that's laughing. And they're watching the ark be built. They're sitting back looking. Saying, I've heard that all my life. He's not coming back. Ah, my, my grandmother said that. 
Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you said whenever you see these signs to lift your head up to know that your redemption draweth nigh. God, I thank you this morning that convictions in this room. I would be afraid. I mean, really, with the fear of God. Don't even think about me. You think about heaven and you think about hell. I would be afraid. I would be afraid to walk out this door without Jesus Christ. I would be afraid to play church. I would be afraid to come here on Sunday and act like I was all right and live like the devil the next six days. I would be afraid if I was a young person and I come to church and my mom and dad thought I was all right, but I got out away from them and I cussed and told dirty jokes and looked at pornography and, or let people touch them in the wrong places. God, I pray for conviction to sweep this room. Lord, I thank you. You're giving a, a call this morning. You're calling us to holiness, God. Oh, God, I thank you. You're calling the church to holiness. God, I thank you for the convicting power of God that's in here this morning. He said no sin's going to enter in. You think, well, I'm young. I got plenty of time. Who said so? Who said you had plenty of time? We've lost the fear of God. We think we can curse. We think we can make fun of people. We think that young people think they can talk back to their moms and dads and sit in life during the, at the preacher and, and make fun and everything be all right. But let me tell you, it's not a joke. It is real. I know you can have a good time in life. God wants you to outside of sin. But church is a sobering thing. Serving God is reality. It's not a game. So if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus or you've never been a Christian, you've never been saved, or maybe you're a backslider, this is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow morning. Not after you get rid of that person in your life that you're living with and you know it's wrong or somebody you're in a relationship with. Fornication's a sin. Adultery's a sin. We need to allow the Holy Ghost to clean us up. You say, well, you're old. You, you can do all those things. Yes, but I was young just like you and I ran from God and I messed my life up. I missed out on a lot that I could have had because I wouldn't listen. You can't blame your mom or dad. I blamed mine and it got me in more trouble than what I asked for. You have to forgive. I don't care what's happened to you. If you don't forgive them, God can't forgive you. You say it's too much, it's too big. No, it's not. The blood of Jesus can save to the uttermost. God is able and can deliver you. I don't care what kind of hurt, what kind of sin. God is bigger than that. But you have to decide, I'm going to walk out of this. Yeah, I'm going to walk away from this. I'm not letting them take me to hell. So if you're in here today and you don't know Jesus, I want you to lift your hand up. You don't know Jesus. Just lift your hand up. You want to give your life to the Lord this day. Anybody else? Anybody else? Any of these? Anybody else? Hallelujah. If you raised your hand up, I want you to come on down front. 
Come on, brother. Come on, buddy. Come on. Maybe you didn't raise your hand up. And you want to give the Lord Jesus your life today. You say, what do I got to walk down there for? Because you're making a public confession. He said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. And it gives the devil a black eye. In other words, it lets him know that you're stepping out. You ain't ashamed to walk in them nightclubs. You're not afraid to walk in there and get so drunk you don't know who you are. But we have an altar call and the devil tries to put fear on people. There's somebody here and you need to come to this altar. You need to come on down to the mercy seat. Jesus is calling you. He's calling. You need to come running. Come running. Come running to the mercy seat. Jesus. Anybody else? Oh,